Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Luke chapter 7. Uh, Luke chapter 7. I want to preach a message entitled, Breaking Up a Funeral. Breaking Up a Funeral. On Sunday mornings, you know, we are walking through the gospel according to Luke. And um, we've made it to chapter 7, and in chapter 7 we see some Jesus encounters. Um, in this chapter, we see four different people who have an encounter with Jesus. The last time that I preached here, we looked at uh, the centurion from Capernaum uh, that had an encounter with Jesus. This morning, we're going to see the widow of Nain who will meet Jesus. And can I say this, church? When you truly meet Jesus, your life is never the same again. It really is not. And so my prayer today is that you too will have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look through the Gospel of Luke, uh, we have noticed that Jesus has power over disease. We've seen that time and time again. And also that Jesus has power over the demons. We saw last time that he even has power over distance, that he healed the centurion's servant uh, from a distance. And this morning, that he has power even over death. It's exciting to see this morning what happens, church, listen very carefully, when life and death meet. It's exciting to see this morning what happens when life and death collide. One preacher entitled this passage with this title, uh, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Cemetery. And I want you to see what he means. Take your Bible, Luke 7. Stand, if you would, and look at verse 11. Luke 7 and verse 11. The Bible says this, Now it happened the day after that he, Jesus, went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a man, a dead man, was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came, look at this church, then he came and he touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And so he who was dead sat up. If you believe that, say amen. He sat up. That's what the Bible said. He who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all. I guess so. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report 
about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we bow before you and we thank you so much that we can be right here, right now. And Lord, we're excited this morning because of the worship time that we just experienced with the choir and with Phil, with Stephanie, with those who play the instruments, the opportunity that we had to, to lift our voices, to lift our hands to our God. And now, Father, we pray that you would speak to every heart beginning with my heart. I need it this morning. And Lord, help us to see what happens when life and death collide. And we'll be very careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's all yours. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There are two things that I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture uh, this morning. First of all, the genuine compassion. The genuine compassion. Our text tells us, beginning in verse 11, that right after Jesus healed the centurion's servant, right after that, that he began to travel to a city by the name of Nain. Uh, Nain is 20 miles from Capernaum. It's an entire day's walk. It's about an eight-hour walk. And Nain, when you think about it, uh, listen, this is the only time that this city is really mentioned by name in the Bible. Uh, it is a nowhere town. We would say today, no red light and, and no stop sign. It was a very small, small place. And so the question is this, why... I want you to think about this. Why, church, why would Jesus leave Capernaum and walk for eight miles to go to the middle of nowhere? Why would he do that? And I would submit this answer because he knew someone needed him in Nain. Something was happening in Nain. Now, it reminds me of a story in John chapter 4. Uh, you will remember this story in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. Listen to these words. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed, notice this church, he needed to go through Samaria. How many of you remember this story? Raise your hand if you remember this story. He needed, that's always intrigued me, he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Church, he went to Samaria for a very important reason. He wanted to meet, he needed to meet, this lady needed to encounter him, this Samaritan woman. And so he went out of his way to go to Samaria. And now today in our narrative, he goes out of his way to Nain. 
And can I say this? He knows where you are this morning. Amen? He knows where you are this morning, and He knows what you need this morning. He really does. We have several in the hospital. We've already prayed for them this morning, and we'll continue to pray for them. But isn't it good to know that our God is here with us, but our God is also with them? And He knows what they need. He knows what you need. He knows what the doctor said last week. He knows what your financial situation is this morning. Hey, listen, church, He knows what pew you're sitting in right now. Even if you're in a different pew this Sunday than you were last Sunday. It might confuse your preacher. Amen? But it'll never confuse a holy God. Never. He knows and He cares. Be it Samaria or Nain or Chattanooga, Tennessee, He knows. And no matter where we are, we need to have this morning an encounter with King Jesus. The Bible says in verse 11 of our text, Now it happened the day after that He went into a city called Nain. And notice this. Church, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. And so I want you to picture this. There are two huge crowds heading toward one another. There are two huge crowds heading toward one another. And one that's walking toward the city is like a walking classroom. The Bible says that the disciples are in that crowd, which includes the apostles. In other words, those who are learners, those who are followers, those who are, have bought into the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it said in that crowd was just a large crowd. In other words, just thrill seekers. that They were interested in the miracles, what they considered the dog and pony show. And so in that crowd, there, there was excitement. In that crowd, there was curiosity. In that crowd, there was intrigue. And, and just imagine the, the joy, the happiness as they're traveling, as they're laughing, and as they're learning things. And they're heading to the city gate. And then there's another crowd, and they're headed out. I'm telling you, this crowd is, is a different story. This is a sad scene. It's a scene of death and heartbreak and loss and pain. It's a funeral procession. Now, we have things in our culture that usually happens in a funeral procession. Most of the time, especially here in the South, when you see a hearse heading that way, what do you do? Usually you sort of pull over, don't you? And men and women who are out working, many of them will take their hat off and they'll put it over their heart and they'll stand there. Police officers, if they're directing traffic through intersections, they do the same thing. We have our things in this culture, and they did back then as well. So I want you to imagine, just for a moment, imagine the thrill of this crowd, but the, the pain of this crowd. 
You see, what they would have is they would have a couple of flute players that would play just somber, mournful notes. They would have at least one cymbal that would just sort of bang and clang out as they walked. Usually in that area, and I've seen it myself, and in funerals, they would, some would get down and they would take dust and they would throw it all over their body and all over their hair. And then you always would have at least one hired lady, and she was hired to weep. She was hired to wail. Can you imagine that? They, they would hire someone to, to cry, and what would happen is the noise of the flutes and the noise of the cymbal and, and this lady or two or three who were hired all of that noise would pick up steam and people would come out and, and they would begin to follow the family and the friends. And, and that's what's happening. This crowd is heading this way and this crowd is heading that way. Just imagine the scene. The Bible says in our text, verse 12, this is the only son of his mother and she was a widow. Well, there's a lot right there. There's, there's a lot right there in that statement. The only son of his mother and she was a widow. It tells us something about the past and it tells us something about the present and it tells us something about the future. There was sadness in the past. Her husband is gone. She's already been to the cemetery once in her life. There's grief because of that tells us something about the present. Her son is gone, and this is fresh in her heart because it just happened that day. You see, the culture was that they would not leave the body at the evening time in the home, and so the day of the death was the day of the burial. And so the memories were overwhelming her, and there was sadness in the present. But there was also sadness, church, in the future. Because the Bible says that it was her only son. And so there would be no security and no support. It's interesting, Scripture uses this as an analogy, really, for extreme grief. To lose your only son, it uses it throughout the Old Testament for extreme grief. In Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 26, notice this. O daughter of my people, dress in sackcloth and roll about in ashes. Make mourning as for an only son. Most bitter lamentation, for the plunderer will suddenly come upon us. Talking about Israel. Over in Amos it says it like this. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like mourning for an only son and its end like a bitter day. I just want you to feel the pain of this party that's heading this way. Think about it. We have saw, we've seen here in the book of Luke that 
that people were always coming to Jesus. But here we see Jesus going to this lady with great effort and great timing. Some Bible scholars feel, this is very interesting, some theologians, some Bible scholars feel like that when they left Capernaum, the, the group was so large it would take them so long that possibly the young man had not even died yet. Because in that culture, as I said, the, the burial came so close to after the death. And so it's possible that when they left, he had not died, which speaks to my heart that that widow possibly didn't even know that she was going to need this encounter. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew. I'm telling you this morning, He knows what you need too before you know you need it. You may be here this morning and you're in need of something and you don't even know you're in need of something, but He knows you're in need of something. He knows. Nothing ever takes King Jesus by surprise. He's never said oops not one time in His life. There's no panic in heaven only plans. I like what the old preacher said one time. Listen, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to him? Because he knows it all. He knows it all. I'm trying to church this morning. You say, preacher boy, you're you're underlining this truth. You're trying to you're trying to get it in our hearts, and 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 and, and you're right. I'm trying to get this in your knower this morning. He loves you. He cares. And and He wants to meet your need. No matter what that need is, He has the power to meet your need. I want you to know that this morning. As you know, Laz and Linda are now grandparents. Beautiful little girl named Harper Grace. I've held her in my arms. So did Laz. The day she was born, Laz held her there at the hospital over in East Ridge. And this is a true story. As he was praying for his granddaughter, he said, God, I want you to bless. Oh, God, I want you to bless Avery Kate. I want you to bless Avery Kate. That's my granddaughter's name. And I don't know, did somebody punch you and tell you that was wrong? Yes, they did, I'm sure. The very next day at the dinner table at his house, as he was praying, he prayed for Avery Kate again. Thank you, brother. (laughs) And he said it just then. So the next day he was telling me the story, and I really appreciated the prayer, and I thought that was hilarious. And I said, brother, why did you do that? Her name's Harper Grace. He said, because you've brainwashed me. Avery Kate, Avery Kate, Avery Kate, Avery Kate, Avery Kate, Avery Kate, Avery Kate. Let me say it one more time, Avery Kate. Amen? So at lunch today, if you'd like to pray for Avery Kate, I would appreciate that. But just like I brainwashed Laz and instead of praying for Harper Grace, he prayed for Avery Kate. I want to I just get it into your heart that Jesus knows what you need. And He cares. And He loves you. 
The Bible says in Psalm 139, beginning in verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me. Look at this church. And you've known me. For you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. He knows you. I want you to look at this genuine compassion. In verse 13 it says, when the Lord saw her, when Jesus saw her, look, He had compassion on her. That word compassion in the Greek is an interesting word. Just imagine the body has been anointed and they've had a little service and and they're getting closer and closer to the grave and her heart is breaking more and more as they walk. She meets Jesus and He has compassion on her. That word in the Greek means to feel something in your gut. To feel something deep in your gut. You, you know, when you, when you get news, when, when you get news that is trying, you know there's something that, that happens in your gut, that knot in your stomach. Well, this is a deep, visceral feeling. Jesus has compassion, and then He says these words, Do not what? Weep. Do not weep. Isn't that an interesting command? Are you you kidding me? I've just lost my husband. And now my only son. Are Are you kidding me? I have no security now. I have no support. Don't weep. Church, listen, she's crying her eyes out and and the family, they're weeping and the friends are weeping and that hired professional is professionally weeping. I mean, everybody is crying and Jesus walks up and He says, do not weep. Think about that. If it wasn't Jesus, it would be heartless. It would be mocking. But it came from Jesus. You've all been there before. Last November at 4906 13th Avenue or 14th Avenue, I was weeping. No, I was wailing. I was. Just lost my mom. And I thought about this passage, church. I, I thought about this deeply this week as I was sitting in Panama City and, and early in the mornings as I was looking over this, I thought about this. What if somebody had walked up to me at that very moment and said, don't cry. I wonder how I would feel. Jesus said, do not weep. We see the genuine compassion. And then secondly and quickly, we see the great change. 
the great change. Something took place. Look at verse 14. Then he came and he touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still, the Bible says. And he said, young man, look at this, I say to you, arise. And so he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And how precious he presented him to his mother. Son, that'll break up any funeral, amen? Imagine the scene. He sits up. (laughs) The fluters stop fluting. The cymbal, whatever player, stops a banging. I believe the dust may have just in midair just stopped. The wife stops crying, the mom stops crying, and the family stops crying, and the friends stop crying, and that professional hired crier is out of jail, she, or out of, out of jobs, she, she gets a, a pink slip. I mean, she's out of work. It's amazing. Because a dead man starts talking. You know what that proves? What that proves is he who was truly dead is now truly alive. That's what it proves. It proves that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the coming one. Next week, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. Next week, we're going to look at a story about John the Baptist. When old John had some doubts. Jesus says this over in Luke 7, 22. Jesus answered and said to them, You go tell John the things that you've seen and heard. Hey, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. Don't you see how they responded to this? Look at verse 16. Then fear came upon all. And I love this. And they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen up among us. God has visited his people. Fear came upon them. Uh, Duh. If you've ever been around someone who has passed away, you know what would happen if this happened. They knew, they had just witnessed, listen, the power of God. It says they glorified God. This past week, while you were here and Bill Stafford was preaching the glory down, I was at uh, Woodstock in Panama City. And um, they had this hope. Do you remember we had this hope? That group several weeks ago. Well, when I got there, um, I saw it on the marquee, and, and I walked in, and, and I thought, oh, my soul. So before Sunday school, I walked in, and they were, they were setting up. And they looked at me, and I looked at them, and they said, Pastor Tony. And I said, this hope. And so we embraced, and we chatted, and I said, are you having the whole service? They said, no, we're just going to sing, and then there's going to be preaching. And I'm going to tell you what, Brother Luke. I'm going to tell you what, man. They got up there. We just had them. They got up there and they began to sing. 
And that church could not stay seated. They got up. I got up. We felt the presence of the Holy Spirit of the living God. I looked around and tears were flowing from some folks' eyes. I looked around and some had their hands way up and some of them I could tell they were real Baptists. They had them down here. Some were swaying. Some were just standing there. But what I saw is I saw people who at one time were dead in their sins but now alive in Jesus. I'm telling you because when life meets death, something happens. When life and death collide, something happens on the outside or something happens on the inside. And sometimes when something happens on the inside, the outside's going to show it. And sometimes it's just on the inside. Your heart's just a bursting. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Not sick, but dead as a hammer. And once you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God. Look at your neighbor and say, but God. Look at your other neighbor and say, but God. Hey, listen, church, but God. But God, who is rich in His mercy because of His great love, which with He loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved. Have you experienced this? As I pondered this passage, I read over their response over and over some glorified God, and I believe it's because they knew and that they had witnessed the power of God. But I'm convinced that not everyone understood that Jesus was the Savior. Because the Bible says, here's what they said, a great prophet has risen among us. I do think some missed it that day. And I, say, I think some miss it today. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist. Some Elijah. And others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? 
Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're not just a great teacher. And yes, you are. You're not just a great man. And yes, you are. You're the Christ. The Son of the living God. Do you know Him? Church, one of these days, we're all going to experience what this man from Nain experienced. What he heard, we're going to hear. Don't miss this. The Bible says in John chapter 5 and verse 24, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself and has given Him authority to execute judgment also, because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Church, I want to tell you something. You're never really going to die. Now, you're physically, possibly, unless Jesus comes back. And wouldn't that be great? Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. I'd love to be in the rapture generation. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. But, but if, if Jesus tarries, we are all physically going to die, but really we never, ever die. You're always going to be alive. You'll never cease to exist. And church, listen, my prayer is that, that you have had in your spiritual life where life has collided with death. I love that song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hand. Than to be the king of a vast domain and to be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than a worldly applause. I'd rather be faithful to His dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to His holy name. I want you to get it this morning. He went out of His way to go to Samaria. He went out of His way to go to Nain. 
That's when Jesus was walking on this earth in a physical body. Now the Holy Spirit is here this morning. I want you to get it this morning. This week, the very last day that we were in Panama City, um, two days prior, we had um, some neighbors move into the condo right next to us. Three gigantic trucks humongous trucks. Four 20-something guys poured out of those trucks and four 20-something ladies pulled out, of those, poured out of those trucks. They walked in and right when they walked in I said, oh no. And immediately, I don't know how it started immediately, but the music was going boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. I mean, it was so loud. My room was shaking. I thought, oh, my soul. And so that night when we got back from dinner, the music was crazy loud. And they were laughing and cutting up and having a great time. And, and I'm all for laughing and cutting up and having a great time. But at 11 o'clock, son, it's time to go night-night. Amen. It's time to go night-night. So, at 11, they turned it off. They really did. I was so amazed. We slept really well. And then the next night, our last night, oh, my soul. They came in and boom, 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 boom. And uh, so I went downstairs. I was on the couch. And... uh, they evidently moved downstairs and they went outside on the patio at 3 o'clock in the morning. I said 3. I usually go to bed at 10. And I'm usually asleep at 10.05. 3 o'clock in the morning, they're still laughing and cutting up. And oh, my soul. So I got up. I had black shorts on and a white t-shirt and I put a hat on. I put my feet in my fluffy house shoes. I tell all of that so you can picture this. I open up the curtain things and I open up the back and I walk out. And I walk over to the backyard, and they're having so much fun, they don't even see me. They don't even see me, so I just stand there. All of a sudden, the girl, she <laughs> and she punches one of the guys, and this is, <laughs> this is what I did. I went. I don't know why I did that. I don't even know what it means, but I think what it means is it's 3 o'clock in the morning, go to bed. So here I am standing out there in a hat, shorts, and fluffy, I'll put them on Facebook this afternoon, fluffy house shoes. And I just, I didn't say anything. I just turned back around. 
you know what I heard the rest of the night? Nothing. Amen? Absolutely nothing. I closed the door. I got back on the couch and I slept. I didn't hear anything. You know why? Because they got the point, didn't they? They got the point. So I want you to look at me. <laughs> Amen. Church, I want you to get the point this morning with all my heart. Jesus loves you. He cares. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. He knows what your daughter needs. He knows what your son needs. He knows what your wife needs. He knows what your husband needs. He knows what we need. And He's the only one. can do anything about it. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. In just a moment we're going to sing. Some of you need this morning Come down to this altar in humility. Say, Lord, I know you know. I know you know. And so I'm casting my care upon you because you care for me. This morning, some of you need to come and just clear off a space and spend time with King Jesus. You have a need, and He cares. Someone in your family, they have a need, and He cares. Maybe this morning your need is that you've never asked Christ to be your Savior. I invite you to do that. Or maybe this morning you want to come and you want to place your life here in this church. You want to join this fellowship. We'd love to have you. Very reverently, very quietly, would you stand? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Stand and I'm going to pray. Right after I pray, I invite you to come. I invite you to come. Come and get on bended knee. Stand right there where you are. God knows. Father, oh God, we place this before you. What a miracle! What a story! that happened so many years ago but with truths that help us today so I pray Father that our altar Lord Jesus would be used this morning if you see fit oh God 
And I pray in the, the pews there that men and women will just place needs before you, God. Would you add to our church? And we'll be careful to thank you in Jesus' name. Oh, man. Let's pray. Let's, let's sing rather together.